Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Check your weapons at the door. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that draws a line in the sand. He's often described as mid-century modern Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting, thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are so excited to be here sharing this this space with you, this learning opportunity. Medicare knowledge is never easy to come by, but I made my career, I built my career on making it as easy and palatable as possible for you to acquire the amount of Medicare knowledge that you see to acquire in the least painful way possible. And the way I did that was to write a book called Medicare for the Lazy Man, and the current edition is 2023. So if you'd like to take a look at one of these books, perhaps to buy one, what you should do is go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, and in the search window, type in Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Don't forget those numbers so that you get the most current edition. I'm assuming you're listening to this in the year 2023, because there's going to be a 2024 edition. And uh, if if you're listening to this in 2024, you don't want to get the 2023 edition. Anyway, you will have your choice of several different editions of the book, ranging from a very uh, inexpensive uh, version up to a magnificently uh, crafted museum-quality hardcover book and several editions in between. But the important thing to remember is whichever of those books that you buy, you'll be able to acquire the necessary Medicare knowledge that you need in a very short period of time. And if you need to go back and read it again, you can get both readings accomplished within, I would say, two and a half hours. But more importantly, once you have acquired the knowledge and you've began to plot your course through the Medicare maze, you should be aware that you've got my email address in that book. You can contact me for additional guidance and assistance in plotting your encounter with Medicare. I will be happy as a licensed agent in every state of the country to help you acquire the Medicare supplement and the Uh, Part D drug plan that you would need for complete protection. And by the time you and I are finished, you will have 100% rock solid protection against uh, debilitating medical bills. And you'll be able to never look back at Medicare for as long as you live. Actually, that's not entirely true, but you won't have to look back very much. So that's what I recommend. Buy the book, read the book, contact me, and I will help you during that Medicare transition. Now, I'd like to introduce you to a guy who helps me 
every time we record one of these podcasts, and that's Randy Carson. Without him, I would just be wandering around in the wilderness, completely confused by life and uh, the world around me. Randy, thank you so much for your help. Well, thank you for noticing that uh, I occasionally do something right. <laughs> you you have been consistently right ever since I met you five years ago, so uh, I have no complaints whatsoever. Well, thank you for no really thank you for noting that with me. I appreciate it. I you know it occurred to me this morning that we have not done a, a question for well it, it falls into the category of stump the insurance expert. Okay, that's but it's 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 a today in history sort of a thing. Well, let's uh, let's attack that right now. I posted a an episode, the most recent episode yesterday. Uh, the curator, the content curator, and I listened to it. I was appalled at how much time we spent goofing around at the beginning okay. before we even got to the Medicare part of it. So well, we're going to get right after it. All right, I'm uh, I'm putty in your hands. So today, September the eighth. Something critically important happened, and I'm sure you'll know what it is. What happened today in 1966? 1966. Well, I began my senior year. No, I didn't. I began my freshman year in college at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. Now, back in those days, school started after Labor Day. And so uh, during the or at the end of the Labor Day weekend, uh, my parents piled all of my stuff into the 66 Country Squire station wagon, uh, drove me down to uh, Greencastle, Indiana, uh, basically kicked me out. <laughs> and because I was going to pledge a fraternity, uh, we all, a bunch of guys bunked up in, in the houses of the faculty uh, in town. So uh, for two weeks, until we pledged the fraternities that we were going to live in, we had to basically camp out in other people's houses. And so this probably was one of the first days of my college career, which, as many people remember, lasted about nine years because I'm not that good a student. So I'm but I, I don't think that's what Randy is referring to. No, There's, no. Uh, now, this could have been a, a Vietnam event but i just don't recall any battles that occurred or that started on september 8th oh, let me, boy, let me give you a, let me give you a hint yeah you'll know it you'll know it immediately when i do this to seek out new life and new oh, civilizations no to boldly go where yeah. no man has gone before okay there you go and i do like uh i do like star trek i um uh, Never, I didn't get to watch TV during that freshman year in college. So I not only missed Star Trek its first time around, but I also missed, uh, I, I don't know, several other shows that were uh, popular then. Uh, you know, had I been a year younger, I would still be at home. I'd be able to watch all that stuff. And had I been older, I would have had my own TV in my own room in the uh, fraternity house. But I missed the first couple of years of Star Trek and I only got to see those years in reruns after I rented a house with a bunch of friends in St. Charles, Illinois, we would gather around the TV with drinks and we'd be watching the reruns of Star Trek every day. Okay. I have one bonus question that you can still save your reputation on historical facts. Well, so far I've managed to turn all of this into me, me, me. It's all about <laughs> me. So 
theoretically or metaphorically speaking, according to the series, what century did that all take place in? Oh, boy. I think that was the 25th century, wasn't it? No. Oh, boy. Ouch. That just cleans my ears right out. It was the 23rd century. But was it really? Well, here's the yeah. thing. I asked uh, I asked Roy what he was watching lately, and he's watching a Star Trek series on some channel, God knows what it is, that is takes place before uh, Kirk. Oh, really? Absolutely. It's a predecessor, a precursor to the original Star Trek series. I and I said, find that. Well, please do. It's a Star Trek. Oh, God, I wish I could remember what he told me the title was. But the whole thing is they use the transporters in that old one that he's yeah. watching. And in the most recent modern uh, one that I watched that only ran for a season or two, they did not use the transporters at all. They hmm. used shuttlecraft to get everywhere, which seemed oh, to okay. remove an element of uh, plot. Yeah possibilities yeah. i thought yeah that that's not good i uh i i actually i love star trek so much that i i want i don't have it now but i at one point in my life had a application that would allow me to convert today's date into star dates <laughs> well I, you and the klingon speakers <laughs> are both a little too deep into this thing i but know I, well i will say you know back something when I, Back in Tucson, when I was in college, there was a show on every afternoon, and I would sometimes uh, take my classes in the morning so that I could watch our daughter in the afternoon, where Mary would then uh, go to school. And um, every afternoon, a guy named Hank, something or other, had the Tea Time movie, and Hank oh, yeah. would sit there and introduce the movie. And one time, he had Gene Roddenberry as his guest. Oh, cool. And the reason he had Gene Roddenberry as his guest was that Gene Roddenberry hated Tucson and couldn't wait to find a, a reason to slam Tucson. And in his a TV made for TV movie, something about the you know end of civilization as we know it, he managed to have the huge disaster hit Tucson, Arizona first. And the reason he hated Tucson was because he got a speeding ticket when he came through town oh. before, before he ever had any success at all. So I guess probably a $25 speeding ticket was a big problem for him back then. <laughs> Nowadays, oh, his his dear. son his son is in charge of the Star Trek uh, empire. Well, he must have been coming through Tucson on impulse motors then. Well, I don't know. He was uh this was a, a kind of a, you know, post-apocalyptic story and uh, he was just everybody that looked down from the mountain that they were hiding on. Uh, was, oh, there! That's where Tucson used to be. Oh, I could... dear. that's isn't that that's a great story. I love that. Well, you know something. As mm. the nominal producer, I think we ought to move on into some Medicare stuff. Yep, um, let's do that. Probably would be beneficial to our audience. Let us do that. I have so much curation going on here. Uh, the curator gets up early in the morning on podcast recording days and starts her curating. And I swear, I've got piles of stuff that's incredible. So I'm going to try to do shorthand if I can and uh, not bore the audience with every little detail that's meaningless. But let me uh, throw a few things in here. Uh, agents. Uh, are are now being enjoined to follow some new rules. The CMS, the agency I used to make fun of back before we understood why they spell it CMS instead of CMMS. Um, the 
that or agency has um, created rules for agents in an effort to stifle the nefarious activities of the agencies that hire Joe Namath and Jimmy J.J. Walker and um, to a lesser extent, uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, and they have been uh, those agencies have been running wild, telling lies on the television ads and then attracting people, naive people to call them. When they do call them, these naive people are enrolled, sometimes against their wishes, in Medicare Advantage plans when they didn't want to be. And so the government is aware that these activities should be stifled. They can't quite figure out how to do it without stepping on everybody's toes. So here's just a little hint of one of their um, poorly executed, poorly uh, contrived rule changes that they think is going to create a new freewheeling atmosphere that's fair and uh, that will not cause any victims to be um, put upon in the Medicare age group. And what they have is they have a new disclaimer that all agents that sell Medicare Advantage plans and that sell Medicare drug plans have to use on all of their telephone calls and all of their correspondence. This disclaimer says, Quote, we do not offer every plan available in your area. Any information we provide is limited to those plans we do offer in your area. Please contact Medicare.gov or 1-800-MEDICARE to get information on all of your options. Now, I don't sell Medicare Advantage plans, so I don't use that disclaimer. I do sell Medicare drug plans, so they want me to use that disclaimer, except that I do represent or I do offer every plan available in the area that my potential clients are in. So they apparently have a version of this disclaimer that covers my situation where I do the right thing. I offer every plan available, which is what they're looking for. But yet they still insist upon penalizing the people who do right by their clients. So this stupid disclaimer that they've come up with, uh, the rules for using it are uh, thus and so. They have uh, insisted that they verbally convey this disclaimer within the first 60 seconds of a sales call. So if somebody were to call me and say, hey, I'm interested in buying Medicare plans, I'm supposed to read that stupid disclaimer within the first 60 seconds. It's supposed to be electronically conveyed when communicating with a Medicare participant through email, online chat, or other electronic means of communication. It's supposed to be prominently displayed on my website. It's supposed to be included in any marketing materials, including print materials and television advertisements that I use or distribute. And then uh, there's a section in this, uh, this list of rules, what you need to know. The disclaimer will be included in all 2023 um, open enrollment marketing materials that you order or download from one of the big insurance companies. It's my responsibility to ensure the disclaimer is included on everything else. The disclaimer will be played automatically at the beginning of all calls that I record. That's another thing. They insist that we record all sales calls. Hmm. I wonder how they're going to find out that I didn't do it. I think they're only going to find out if one of my clients complains to the government. Man, that could be any listener to this show who has an axe to grind. Who knows? And the final thing here is 
If you use a different call recording tool, you will need to state the disclaimer on your own within the first minute of the call. So I got to tell you, there are valid reasons why the government um, is more of an hindrance than a, uh, a helper in the field of dealing with sales. It's already complicated enough to help people understand the complexities of Medicare without them continually throwing roadblocks in the way. Um, if I were in charge of the government, I think I might, instead of creating new rules that make it difficult for everyone to do business, I might go after the miscreants who people are complaining about. Uh, those people are the ones that are causing trouble, and those people are the ones who could be stopped in their tracks if the government actually could figure out how to properly manage this uh, Medicare sales thing that they've decided to take on. So that's my <laughs> my complaint about them. But here's one of my bright spots. Every so often, I get to uh, dip into the the pile of correspondence that is put out by one of my favorite Medicare experts, Tony King. She spells Tony with an I because she's a girl. And the headline on this little uh, element from her bag of tricks is Social Security Scam Alert with three exclamation points. Hang up on bogus calls with two exclamation points. And then it says reader alert. This week, I, Tony King, received a letter from the Social Security office regarding my special needs sister's benefits, and an amazing scam alert was on the back of the envelope that her Social Security letter was in. I felt it was my duty to America and the Tony Says newspaper article readers to let you know what Social Security is saying. Here's what was written on the back of the envelope, which I received. It says, scam alert. Scammers are pretending to be government employees. They may threaten you, and they may demand immediate payment to avoid arrest or other legal actions. Do not be fooled. If you receive a suspicious call, number one, hang up. Number two, do not give them money or personal information. And number three, report the scam at oig.ssa.gov. On March 27, 2020, Inspector General Gail Innes of Social Security released a news released a news release from the Social Security Administration warning about new Social Security benefit suspension scams that America needs to be aware of. She said, today I am warning the public about fraudulent letters threatening the suspension of Social Security benefits due to COVID-19 or coronavirus-related office closures. Social Security will not suspend or discontinue benefits because Social Security offices are closed. Okay, well, that was in 2020. You would think... <laughs> that um, maybe this problem had resolved itself by now. Any communication you receive that says Social Security will uh, not pay its obligations is a scam, whether you receive it by letter, text, email, or phone call. In fact, I'll go one step further and say the Social Security Administration will never, ever telephone you. If you ever get a phone call, somebody says, hey, I'm from the federal government, hang up on them right then, or string them along, maybe have a little fun with it. Um, okay. Here's a, in the press release, it stated social security will never do these things. They will never threaten you with benefit suspension. They will never promise a benefit increase or other assistance in exchange for payment. They will never require you, uh, they will never require you to give them money 
by retail gift card, cash, wire transfer, internet currency, or prepaid debit card. They will never demand secrecy from you in handling a Social Security-related problem, and they will never send official letters or reports containing personally identifiable information. So watch out for scammers. I mean, there are people out there looking to get into your pockets, but most of them are fairly inept. The ones that I've seen most often are the ones from foreign countries who can barely speak English. And once they get you on the phone, I don't think they are aware that they can't speak English very well because they don't seem to be embarrassed about their lack of facility with the language. And so when I get some of these people that can barely pronounce my name or they use my last name first because that's what happens in their culture, then I recognize immediately that these are not employees of the United States government and I behave accordingly. So I'm sneaking up on uh, cricket time here. Randy, I believe we might be actually closer to being on track. So I want to just hit one item that is um, fresh in my mind from recent correspondence with at least two of my clients or my potential clients. Both of these people have the same confusion and I can clear it up very quickly. Both of these people have full-time employment with medic or with um, employee provided health insurance plans. When they turned 65, they were under the misapprehension that they were supposed to enroll in Medicare, no ifs, ands, or buts, and that delaying that enrollment would expose them to a lifetime late enrollment uh, penalty. And that, I want to tell them, is not true. If you are actively employed and your company health insurance plan is operating uh, satisfactorily for you, you may ignore Medicare until such time as you plan your retirement date. It's really not necessary for you to engage in any part of Medicare as long as you're working, you're fully covered by your employer's health insurance plan, and you um, uh, are satisfied with the benefits and the cost of that plan. You could always leave and enroll in Medicare anytime you want to, and uh, you would be able to enroll in Medicare after you turn 65 and drop your employer's plan if it's a crappy plan or if it costs you too much money. But if you want to stay on your employer's plan, you can certainly do that. Now, the one ex uh, the one exception here is that if your employer, employer is a small company, fewer than 20 employees, then you should be instructed by your HR department or your insurance company representatives that Turning 65 means Medicare must now be enrolled in. Otherwise, your plan won't pay the part of an expense, a medical expense that Medicare would have paid. Your plan will then change to a Medicare supplement plan, and it will ignore any smaller medical expenses because it will assume that you have enrolled in Medicare. So the operative concern here is how many employers, employees, does your employer have, if it's a small company, fewer than 20 employees, then you must enroll in Medicare at age 65. But if it's larger, as many people uh, work for companies that are larger than 20 employees, then you don't have to worry about Medicare at all until you decide that you want to leave your company plan, either to retire or just because you don't like it. Um, you can always ask this question of your employer or your employer's uh, insurance representatives, HR people, or whatever, just to make sure. Because I want people to make sure 
they're on solid ground. But I've had two people recently that were confused by that rule, and um, I just wanted to set their minds at ease. So, Randy, why don't we uh, call it quits for today and get the heck out? We can go out and play in the sunshine. Oh, that sounds so good, Doug. Doesn't it, though? Playing in the sun. It's a wonderful day. Well, okay. So the people on the podcast are going to go, well, that doesn't sound so wonderful to me. (laughs) It's only 100 today. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But it is sunny, and there is no snow on the ground. So those are two things I like very much. And it's a dry heat. We don't can't forget to say that. Absolutely. Well, you know, we need to go ahead and close up shop because we have spent our 75 cents. Need to land the plane. But before I do, I always like to remind people to get their pencil and something to scratch it out on. Write down Doug's email address because he loves to hear from you and it's a great place to ask questions. DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. That's DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. You can check us out on the website at MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We would really appreciate you guys finding a place to give us a review on the book and the podcast. It always helps us out. I know you want to do that. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a number of different places and you weren't. You were with us spending a few moments with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. In particular, if you weren't watching your watch, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He lives up in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And since we're coming into the weekend, I'm going to I'm going to put him down at about, oh, let's say 6,000 feet. Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, it's nice to be able to breathe oxygen for a change. Thank you so much, Randy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. I will look forward to uh, seeing you at our next gathering. Bye-bye.